Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. come to a different sort of service, but you are going to love it, okay? Today, we're going to hear from our youth ministry throughout the entire service, which means that our own Reverend Dr. Avarilla is going to be our preacher today, and all God's people said. Uh, Before we pass the peace and greet one another, I just want you to know that when you hear me say, uh, when during a baby dedication, that we ought to be the people who can be caught being Christian, I have Avarilla in mind. I have caught her this week being Christian in ways that you might never know about. I just want you to know, whether you're watching or not, whether the lights are on or they're not, and she's not here on the platform, you can trust that your youth pastor is a Christian. And that's who you're hearing from today. Very proud to hear from her. And I want you to greet one another. So this will be my only chance to say this today a couple of times. What you're about to do is put skin and flesh on the welcome and the hospitality of God. And please keep in mind, every time you greet somebody today, you are greeting somebody about whom God has made up God's mind. And the news is? Okay, so keep that in mind as you greet one another. On your mark, get set, and go. everyone. Uh, Like Pastor John said, um, my name is Avril Anfuso. I am your youth pastor. And, oh, got a little whoop. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, you did not have to do that. (laughs) I am so excited to be with you uh, this morning, and I have the honor to do quite a few things. Um, One, I get to bring you the message today, which um, I'm very excited about. This passage means a lot to me. Um, But also, I get to recap our summer with our students, and then I just get to brag on these wonderful, wonderful teens. I love being the youth pastor here. I love being around those kids. It is literally the greatest joy in my life to be at this church working with these awesome students. I've been at OKC First for 11 years now. Um, I started, it was kind of a, kind of a, Coincidence that I'm even here was after my uh, freshman year at SNU, I went, I was a theology major in the ministry intern program. I had just completed my freshman year and I had done it somewhere else and that uh, internship didn't go quite well. So I wasn't sure if ministry was still for me. I was trying to figure all that out. I think I even like went to Dr. Wright's office one day and I was like, I think I might want to do psychology, but I'm not sure. Ended up dropping his class very quickly <laughs> into the next semester. <laughs> so psychology wasn't for me, but it was in, in between the summer of my freshman and sophomore year. I had a friend who was coming up to do um, help with Lisa's VBS, and she's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, well, come and hang out with us tonight at OKC First. And the second I walked into this building, I knew that this was a place for me. I ended up meeting Pastor Lisa. Um, we were standing right back there at those sanctuary doors, and, and then Pastor John came by, and it was just a very brief conversation. We introduced ourselves, and, and I left there being like, no, OKC First is where I want to be. And so I completed my last three years of my internship 
uh, here working for Pastor Lisa, and then I ended up doing volunteer pastoring a little bit when I, once I graduated. Um, and then in 2018, I was hired on full-time. I'd done a random assortment of jobs here um, in 2020, hired on as the middle school pastor, and then about a year and a half now as the full-time youth pastor. Um, but even though I've been here 11 years, I have actually never preached from this stage before. And that is 100% because you guys are terrifying. <laughs> you guys are scary. You're old. Um, <laughs> and I'm just not used to uh, preaching in front of this crowd. My professors are here. My mentors are here. Um, needless to say, I am very nervous. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Britt about this when they put me on the schedule, like before she left months ago. And she was like, just don't let them know you're nervous. So this is me letting you know I'm not nervous <laughs> this morning. <laughs> um, but you can help me out a little bit uh, to make me feel more comfortable. So um, if you feel like while I am preaching that you need to go to the bathroom, please raise your hand. Do it very loudly so everybody knows. Yep, Dax has got it. Um, if you're playing a game on your phone, make sure that you make everyone in the row knows you're playing and you're winning. That will help me out uh, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you, pre preachers do this thing where we get really excited and we get kind of low to get our point across. And when I'm at the peak of that point, when I'm down here, please make sure you raise your hand and ask when you can play basketball. Um, <laughs> If you do all of those things, um, I will feel a lot more comfortable being up here because I love you, but they do all of those things to me. <laughs> um, but um, all jokes aside, I'm really excited to be here. Again, I love your kids. And um, I, I got to spend an entire summer with these awesome students. And um, when we go on trips or when we are on Wednesday, like when we start Wednesday nights or, or hanging out, we always say three things as kind of a conviction, as kind of a rule of who we are as OKC First Youth. And I'm going to see if the kids will help me out with this. They're looking at me. They're like, please don't, please don't make me do this. Now they're quiet. Um, <laughs> and so here are the three things that we say every Wednesday night. We are a community of young people. I include myself in that. We are a community of young people that are striving to do three things, right? Connect with God and others. We're trying to connect with God and others. We are trying to practice kindness. practice kindness and then be present in times of need. Yeah. So the three things that we are always striving to do as OKC First Youth is to connect with God and others. We are trying to practice kindness, and we are trying to be present in times of need. Whether that is our own needs, whether that's our friends' needs, our family's needs, our community's needs, we are trying to be people who see and be present when their things happen. And so when we go into our mission trips, um, people may ask, why do we take kids on mission trips? Why do we do these particular trips that we go on? And basically, it is a time, an immersive experience for us to flex those muscles, to practice, get out of our normal routine, and practice those three things together. And so I now have the privilege of talking about our summer missions uh, this now. Um, I, I, I keep saying summer missions because normally our trips are always in the summer. I will say that our high school mission trip was over spring break, so if I just get jumbled, normally they're all in the summer, so we're just going to group them all together. But we had um, 
15 high schoolers that went to Heirloom East Bay in San Francisco over spring break. Um, if, you, if you heard of Heirloom before, that's where Pastor Britt went. Um, it's a beautiful, um, intentional Christian Nazarene community and farm. So we took 15 students to Heirloom East Bay. We took 45 students to camp this summer um, at Camp Bonds. We took nine students to Nazarene Youth Conference in Tampa, Florida. And then we took 18 students on our middle school mission trip right here working with our neighborhood Empowered. So kids, I promise will be the last thing I ask you to do. Can you just stand if you went on any of those trips this summer? Just go ahead and stand anywhere in the room. Yeah, can we give these kids a round of applause? <laughs> They're like, can we, can we sit down now? Um, I also couldn't have done, um, I couldn't have done uh, this summer without all of the amazing sponsors that I had. Um, I'm not going to name all of you because there's too many, but just know I love you and I couldn't do it without you. So if you were a sponsor on any of the trips this summer or camp, will you also please stand? Is anyone here? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's just going to be pictures going on around. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, let me talk a little bit about Heirloom real quick. So Heirloom is an amazing place. Um, again, like I said, it is an intentional Christian community, it's a Nazarene community, and it is a farm. It's kind of an interesting trip to uh, take high schoolers on, um, but their kind of mission is that they work together, they pray together, they play together, and they eat together. I don't know about you, but all of that sounds like a really great time to me. And so we got to experience all of that with them. You'll see a few pictures going, going through. Um, Audrey Elder and uh, Kristen Limke became like the queens of the mulch pile. Um, they did a really great job doing that. We had um, uh, Levi Johnson and Elliot and, and Will Strawn um, had like bruises on their shins from pushing wheelbarrows like through the mud. Um, we had kids who were cleaning out chicken coops. We walked goats. Um, yeah, there's like these male goats and you like put them on a leash and we just get to walk them around. It's a really exciting time. Um, <laughs> And again, it might sound like, why are, why are we taking teenagers from Oklahoma to work on a farm? I don't know what to tell you other than it's really cool. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and we just spend so much of that time together, reconnecting with the earth, reconnecting with each other, and, and trying to be uh, practicing connecting with God and others. On our, our middle school mission trip, we stayed here and we worked with our neighborhood Empowered. Um, our students got the opportunity to help be reading buddies. They helped with puzzles. Um, they helped in the science room. Um, we did a lot of cleaning up around this church. You're welcome, John. Um, we... we um, different closets, we organized. And I was able to see in those moments with our middle school students where their strengths really shone. We have some kids who have no issues getting down and working with kids and, and helping them read. And then we have other kids who love organizing and helping in that way. And just watching our students be able to use their strengths and their gifts um, is such a joy. And so we're gonna, in a minute, we're gonna show a video and you're gonna hear from the kids because I don't wanna speak for them. 
um, but we're going to hear a little bit from them about their experience. But I want to uh, say again that, that our service is going to be a little bit different today. The band is going to kind of stay up here. They're going to be working through the sermon with me. The songs that we are singing this morning are songs that our students picked, um, songs that, that, that led us through our summer, that connected, that our students really connected with. And so if you don't know the song, um, just know that these are songs that that uh, moved our kids this summer, and we want to honor and love them so well. Um, so, guys, I love you. You guys are great, and so we're going to hear from our students now. My name is Michael Brugan. I am going into. I am in eighth grade. Um, for the trips I went on this year, I've I went to a camp bond and um, our mission trip that we had recently here in Oklahoma City. Uh, my name is Kamaya. I am in the 10th. The trips I went on is to Camp Vaughn and the San Francisco trip. My name is Carly Wire. I'm a senior this year and I went to Camp uh, California and NYC. Uh, I'm Colin. I'm going to be a senior and I went to Camp and the San Francisco High School Mission trip. Um, I'm Addie Sword. Um, I'm going into eighth grade, and I went on the missions trip, middle school mission trip, and camp. For our meaningful, for my meaningful experience, I feel like um, seeing the kids at um, the mission trip definitely, uh, without a whole lot of education, definitely put like a little hole in my heart, and I wanted to fill that. So in the San Francisco trip, we all got to work together to help like with the farm and stuff and the animals. So that was a lot of fun. I like to work in the garden. You know, I just like love planting stuff and getting my hands dirty. At NYC, one of the most meaningful experiences was just getting to worship with all the people. It's amazing to see 10,000 people in a stadium just worshiping. Uh, I think what was meaningful was working hard uh, on the San Francisco trip and just giving my time and effort to the cause that they have going there. Um, in worship, I definitely felt him working with me and uh, in the one-on-one -on -one time with God, definitely felt him there and that felt passage comes from the book of Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 20. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? And they said, some say the John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. Then he stern, sternly ordered the disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Great job, Harley. That was a really long uh, passage for her to read, and she did a great job. Um, so I, I didn't always want to be a pastor growing up. I feel like that's probably common for, for pastors. Um, when I was younger, I really, really loved history. I think I probably got a lot of that from my dad, who's actually sitting right over there today. Um, and my dad and I and my little brother, we would watch historical documentaries. We would read historical fiction, historical novels. We would watch historical movies. Um, and we just like spent a lot of time talking about history. I was even um, so nerdy that like I would go to the library at school or I'd like sit at home and I would just research anything that interests me and I would like read an article and then I would let that article take me to another article and I would use the hyperlinks and just kind of going down these rabbit holes uh, just to get more and more information. I had this accordion folder and I would like place all my research in and I'd like take it home and just read it for fun. Uh, <laughs> Later, um, when I, I don't know if this says a lot about me or my dad, but when I was 12 years old uh, for Christmas that year, my parents got me a Schindler's List uh, for Christmas and, um, and uh, um, tickets to a Holocaust museum. Let me just say, I was really fun at 12. <laughs> but I really loved history um, and I wanted to be a history teacher, but um, unfortunately, I didn't have anybody who was a history teacher that looked like me. Um, I had a lot of males who were also coaches, uh, two things that I am not. I uh, am terrible at sports and even worse at being a man. And so, um, so I just did not think that uh, being a history teacher was a part of my future. If I'd had a Heather Klimmer in my life, maybe I wouldn't be standing here today. But she is still in my life now, so I got her anyways. But um, I love history so much, and I still do. And, and I think history can, can help us to understand patterns in society. I think it can, you know, it, it tells us the rise and falls of good and bad leaders. Um, it can help us understand our, our current context obviously, and, 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 and it even helps us. Um, my favorite classes when I was in school were, were my, my history classes of, of the, the context of the Old Testament and, and, and how their tradition and their history led them to where, where they are. And I, I think history is so important to who we are as people and who we are as Christians and understanding where we come from and our traditions. And so in our passage today, Jesus is with his disciples. Um, you can kind of get this sense that, that we're, we're, we're working our way towards the cross, and, and, and Jesus is trying to, to develop this group of, of men that he, and people that he has surrounded himself with um, to kind of continue to carry out um, what, they are, what they are doing. And, and they're, they're kind of far off, um, away from kind of the rulers, and, and Jesus sits them down, and uh, because I'm a youth pastor, I can imagine them sitting down and be like, be quiet, be quiet, I have something important to say. And, you know, they're just like talking a lot. But, but he asked them kind of this dangerous question, um, one that if, if the powers during that time heard or, or um, heard the question even asked or, or even heard the answers, it could be, could be very um, dangerous for them. And so they're kind of, they're far off, and he's kind of got them secluded. And, and he sits them down, and he asks them, um, he says, who, who do they say the Son of Man is? I think it's a very intentional way that Jesus asked this question first. 
And, and the disciples, they start saying, oh, uh, Elijah, um, uh, they say you're like Jeremiah or, or even John the Baptist or, or any of the other prophets. And uh, to, to the uh, disciples' credit, this isn't a bad thing for them to compare Jesus to, right? I, I mean, the prophets came and they, they spoke the word of God. They were people that, had, that encouraged God's people to be God's people. They were doing great things. They were spokespeople. Um, they, they were they're fearless, and some of them were a little wild, and they spoke against injustices um, and, and the ruling powers at the time, and then they spoke against kings. Like, goodness, can you imagine? And so comparing Jesus to a prophet is not, was not a bad answer, and it was their tradition, their history. This is what they had seen, and this is what they had known. And so Jesus is here like, well, will that make sense? Jesus is, is another prophet, right? So Jesus asked them again, okay, well, that's not quite the answer Jesus was looking for. It wasn't bad, wasn't wrong, but it was incomplete. Their answer was incomplete. And so he asked again, he looks at them, says, okay, that's what they say I am, but who do you say that I am? You are the people who have been with me. You have seen all these things. You have worked with me. We've done this stuff together. Maybe you have seen something that others probably haven't. Have you noticed something different? So who do you say that I am? Surprisingly, the person who answers this and gets it right is Simon Peter, who we know historically just doesn't quite always get it, who kind of misses the mark over and over and over and over again. And so Simon Peter is the one who's like, I got this, guys. I know who you are. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And something must have been stirring in Peter in this moment, or he may have heard something different, or he, he finally was paying attention. Who knows? But in this moment, Simon Peter, he gets it. And as the band starts to come up, because we're going to sing another song, Simon Peter looks at Jesus, and it's just like, you are the one that we have been waiting for. Something is different about you. The prophets are the spokesperson, but Jesus, you don't only speak, you act. You are doing something different. You are doing something new. You are the one that we have been waiting for. Our history tells us that there's someone who's going to deliver us from all the injustices, from Rome, from these rulers, and, and I can see that in this moment. That is you. Peter's declaration here of who Jesus is is saying that there's something different coming. He can feel it in this moment. Again, don't know why Simon Peter gets it at this point, but he does. Jesus, you are the one that we have been waiting for, and you are the king who's going to deliver us. Simon Peter's confession at this point earns him some brownie points with Jesus. And Jesus then goes on to make his own declaration. And he, he, he awards Simon Peter with, with this most important precious gift. And he tells Simon Peter, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Like God was stirring something in Simon Peter, and, and, and Simon Peter heard it. And I tell you, you are now Peter. Petra can be translated. Rock, immovable rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> if I was uh, now Peter, I would be like, ooh, that's a big uh, responsibility there, Jesus. <laughs> the keys, really, what about just like a password or, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be your foundation. But Jesus looks at Peter and he looks at the disciples and it's like, our mission is not done yet. There's still more to do. The kingdom of heaven is near. If it's not already working, and I'm laying that foundation with you, you, all of you, are essential to the work that we are continuing to do. You are essential to the work that I am continuing to do here. Because we kind of know the rest of Peter's story, what does Peter then do later on when it counted, when, when it was counted the most? He denied. I mean, that tracks with Peter, right? Sometimes it's super close and then takes a few steps back again. Peter is given this most important gift, but then when he sees Jesus on the cross, he doesn't quite know what to do with this. Jesus, I just declare that you're the one who's coming to save us. Why are you dying? That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to what we have been doing. But Jesus is just like, how have you not been listening? We know that Peter denies and denies again because it didn't match. Even though he got it at one point, it didn't match exactly what he thought Jesus was there to do. And to be honest, I don't blame Peter. I am way more like Peter 90% of the time than I'm ever like Jesus. Life will often, and then I say life intentionally, not God, life will often throw things at us that doesn't make sense with what we know of God or maybe of each other, where we might be holding two contradictory truths like why can I be happy one moment and sad the next? Or, or why do, do we talk about hope, but I feel hopeless? Why are these things not matching? I get it. I get it with Peter. Because life is just so hard sometimes, and it doesn't always match. And because we're probably just not listening. We're not hearing the full story. And we, we have the benefit of knowing, right, that it, that it doesn't end here. But Peter at this point and the disciples at this point, they're still trying to understand uh, what it means, what, what Jesus means, the interactions they've had with Jesus. They're not quite sure yet of the sovereignty of the divinity of, of Jesus, and that, that'll happen later after the resurrection. But in the moment when life hands us these conflicting things, what do we do about it? And often, myself included, we are a lot more like Peter, who sometimes get it and then often does not. I want to share uh, a, another story from our high school mission trip. Um, 
uh, at Heirloom East Bay, it, there's this uh, beautiful, beautiful um, valley, and it's in the Bay Area, and there's these beautiful rolling hills that are, that are gray, or green, not gray, they're just beautiful green hills, and, and they remind me of the old, like, Windows uh, desktop background where it's like the rolling green hills contrast with, like, the deep blue sky. Like, that is what Heirloom looks like. It is magnificent. If you want to go at a sponsor, please come as a sponsor. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. And so we, we have the opportunity every year, we get to kind of hike up to the top of this hill together. And we always, you know, want to take a picture. There's a trampoline up there and the, the kids love jumping on the top of the trampoline. It feels like you're, you're jumping on the top of the world and you can see the bay and the valley. And it is just beautiful. And we went in, the first time we went was in July. And so it was, it was you know, things were hot and it was kind of dead, but, but it was still gorgeous. And then we went in, in March and it was just so green and flowers were blooming. It's an incredible trip. So we have all the kids and we're up there and we're, we're walking back down and uh, there, are two, um, there are two groups. One group splits off and I'm kind of left back with about five students. Um, Brady Conway, Colin Montroso, Annabelle Pollock, um, Audrey Elder, and Kamaya Anderson. And so the five of us are walking um, back down the hill and we come across some of the, the farm sheep that can just go up on the hill and, and graze during the day. And Brady looks at one of them and he's like, hey, Avarilla, like, I think this sheep is giving birth. And I was like, you're wrong, don't touch it. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, you're like the only adult in the area and you're like, don't mess anything up. And they're like, no, Avarilla, like, I see an eyeball, I think something is happening. And I'm like, do not touch this sheep. And. But uh, I'm glad that I, I did listen to their instincts because it was definitely uh, giving birth. And um, so we call, we call um, one of the residents that works on the farm, and, and, and she comes up, and, and I don't know how sheep normally give birth, but what I can gather, it's normally in the night. You kind of just wake up in the morning, and there's just beautiful little lambs everywhere. So the fact that this sheep was, was struggling and giving birth on the top of this hill during the day is, like, not a good thing. Um, so this worker comes up, and, and, and she looks at, like, me and, and five teenagers, and she's like, I'm going to need help. Can you handle this? And we're like, yes, we can. <laughs> we're like, oh, we're a bunch of little Oklahoma City kids. Uh, none of us have any idea how to uh, give birth to a sheep. Um, that's Katie uh, Smith's job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we're out there and we can throw some of the pictures up. But so we get ready and we're, we're bracing to like help. And, and we're on the side of this hill so you can see us. I mean, it is incredibly steep. Um, so we're holding, you can kind of keep it on, on there for a moment. And so you can see us where we are basically sliding down this hill. It had been raining, so it was muddy. And, and, and we had just been hiking, so we're tired. And, and this poor mama was not having a good time. Um, and, and so you can see uh, Annabelle and Colin and Brady. And I'm taking pictures at this point. And I realize, oh, they may need help and me not to take pictures of them. And so we're, we are basically like holding this sheep up down the hill covered in mud. And, and Audrey and Kamaya are kind of standing back because they're going to help when, when the babies are born. Oh, look at that picture of Kamaya. She's great. She's holding... Yeah, and, and so, so we're there, and, and the, worker, the worker is like, all right, we're, we're going to get this 
you know, baby out and we're bracing and this mom's not having a good time and we're sliding down the hill and, and I'm holding on to Brady so he doesn't fall because I'm strong. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and so we help um, deliver the first baby and sadly, because it was an emergency birth, that first, the first baby um, was born still. And, and you, I wish, I, I can't brag on Kamaya and Audrey more than being able to handle the situation so beautifully, right? Again, we are sliding down a hill, and they're standing there, and they're, they're helping with, with this baby, this first baby that has been born, and helping the worker, and the rest of us are still just like trying to hold the mom, the mama in place, and, and, and so we're, you know, kind of coping with the fact that this baby, baby didn't live, and and then the worker goes, uh, oh, there's another one. I feel another one. So we're like, okay. So we like all brace ourselves again. And Annabelle is like holding the head. And, and she's whispering beautiful things like, you've got this, mama. You're so strong, mama. And, and uh, Colin is like holding the sheet by its wool and just, you know, bracing back. And Brady's still holding it. And, and, and we deliver this next baby. And you can see that that's her. Um, and she, uh, she was came into this world bright-eyed and wanting to walk and covered in all kinds of things. And, and Kamaya immediately went and, and they put the lamb in her hand and she carried it gracefully. And, and then like we're giving the, the sheep to the mama and, and we're letting the mama lick and, and bond with her baby. And I'm just like, like looking at these teens and, and, and I'm looking at Colin right now because we just were kind of just like, this is just amazing. Like, what are we doing right now? This is not what we signed up for. That was not in my information packet when I was uh, sending the kid to this trip. And, 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 and so we're, things are kind of settling down a little bit. We're just like, just in awe of this little lamb. And, and then the, the worker again goes, oh, I feel another one. There's another one. So we brace ourselves again for the third time. We're holding this mom down. I think we're like sliding completely down this hill at this point. And, and we are just covered in mud and sweat and birth and, you know, all kinds of teenagers and just all kinds of gross things. <laughs> and so we brace ourselves and then, and then we deliver this third baby and this baby just struggles a little bit more. And you can see that struggling to breathe and where uh, the worker is literally blowing in its nose to try to clear its uh, nasal passages. And we're giving it to the mom, hoping that the mom can kind of revive it. We're giving it CPR and, 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 and all this time, Audrey, Kamaya has the, the other baby and, and Audrey's trying to help while we're holding the mom. And, and unfortunately, like that baby did not live. And, and I like... I'm at the top of this hill, covered in who knows what, with five teenagers and, and, and a mom who just <laughs> delivered three babies and, and one beautiful, lively lamb and, and two who just didn't make it. And, and like in that moment, we are left with like two, two, all of like life and creation. In one moment, we have life and birth and creation and then death and sadness. And like we feel all this joy and amazement, but also this sadness for these lives that are lost. I'm like, ah, what do we do about these two conflicting things? And, and we're definitely winding down at this point. Um, I think at this point I have, like, the, the baby lamb, like, in the crook of my leg here as the mom. And, you know, we're trying not to, like, slide down. And, and the, the teens are all looking at me, and, and I just, I, I didn't know what to say to them. I was like, gosh, I wish Pastor Lisa was here. <laughs> she would know what to say. <laughs> um, but I just, I, 
I can't even begin to describe how amazing our teams were in handling the situation. They stepped up, they were mature, they handled it with so much grace. They cried, which I think is an incredibly appropriate response. Um, and, and they were loving creation so well in this moment. So much happened in, in one time and, and Life is going to throw us situations where we are having to deal with joy and sorrow at the same time. And again, because we know the rest of the story, we know that it doesn't end on this cross. We also know that Jesus never takes back his declaration to Peter. Even when Peter denied and denied and didn't get it, he never took it back. He held strong. You are essential to what we are doing here. I am building my church on you. Obviously, we know the church works because we're here. We're sitting here today. When I, when I talk to my teens, or when I'm preparing uh, sermons, I ask, I ask two questions. Um, so a little behind the scenes action for you. <laughs> I ask two questions. What does this passage say about God, and what does this mean for us? Oh my gosh, guys, this passage says everything about God. A God that is doing new things and delivering us and bringing peace and justice to this world. That same God who's working so hard needs us to be a part of it. Jesus looks at us and says, you are essential to what I am doing here. I can't do it without you. You're not just a suggestion. Or like a, hey, if you want to, you know how we like text our friends, you know, if you just want to, you can, but like no pressure. No, Jesus is like pressure. <laughs> you are essential. You, me, us, we are the means to achieve the goal of God. This past year was the worst year of my life. For those who may not know, I, about this time last year, um, I went through an um, incredibly heartbreaking separation and then, and then an incredibly unwanted divorce. And I, left in my grief and my sorrow and the betrayal, like was so much more like Peter than I ever was like Jesus. And I am still standing up here today being able to talk about this. Who needs this message just as much as um, you guys do, or we all do, uh, not to point fingers, um, <laughs> saying that, like, I could not have done that unless you guys were essential in helping me see the goodness of God. I didn't see it, and I couldn't see it, and you were able to sit beside my, my sorrow. You brought me joy. You guys brought me so much joy. I have said so many times over the past year that like I zero out of 10 recommend getting a divorce. Um, but if you have to, do it with a bunch of teenagers. 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, they say all the wrong things. Um, <laughs> Miles is like, that's me. <laughs> oh, but they're hugs. And, and these kids have seen me cry more than anybody has because there were times on Wednesday nights I just couldn't get through it. And they hugged me, and they teased me, and called me short. <laughs> like, <laughs> or average girl, yeah, that's a name they get for me. <laughs> um, 
You were essential in my life, seeing the goodness and joy of God. I could see God working because of you. I am the product of when church is done right. So go and do that outside of here too. Whether we can see it or not, we are the means to achieve God's goal in the world, to bring heaven to earth, to make wrongs, wrongs right, to bring justice, because you, me, us, we are the living witness of God. We are the living witness of the goodness of God. I enjoyed the sermon. Anybody else? I enjoyed that today. It was good. And so I get to now navigate us back to the table. It, it strikes me that Jesus said to Peter that he would build this church on top of Peter's confession. Every week we come to make that same confession about Jesus. So every week when we gather here, Avarilla, we are building and rebuilding this church and whatever we can reach here. So thank you very much for that reminder. So let me tell you, if you're visiting with us, we're about to take communion by intinction. And let me explain what that will look like in a second. Uh, and by the way, if you're helping us to set the table, go ahead and come on down. In a second, I will ask you to stand to your feet and exit your pew to the left, and then to come forward to approach someone holding a plate of bread and someone else holding a cup. Now, please approach the person holding the plate of bread with your hands open because what you're about to receive now is gift. It is grace, and you can't get it any other way. It is going to be placed into your hands. You can't buy, you can't steal it, you can't charge it. It's just going to come to you as a gift. And as you approach that person holding a piece of bread, that person will reach out, place it into your hands, and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread then and dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup. And when you do, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then, if you would, find a place to go pray. Pray your confession of Christ upon which God is still building God's church. Now, you may want to come to one of these side padded altars, and if you do, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing, and perhaps you are praying for yourself, or maybe you're praying for somebody else. We will meet you there and pray that prayer for physical healing, mental, emotional, relational healing. If you need that prayer, then we will have an elder who will come and anoint you with oil. The oil itself is not magic, but it will be reminiscent of the sticky presence of the God who can heal. You might want to come to one of these kneeling benches up front. We won't assume anything if you come up here, but we will at some point let you know that you're not alone. Probably will be me who will just touch you on the back, the neck, the shoulder. We just want you to know that as you pray, whatever the prayer is, that you are not alone. You can cycle right back around and you can pray at your seats. I do hope, though, that you will continue to pray. Today, we have another pastor and his wife who are here taking part in the Walt Crow Retreat Center. Randall and Joanne Pitts are here all the way from Duncan, America, Duncan, Oklahoma, where he pastors a United Pentecostal church. Yeah, absolutely. 
I am not sure if that applies is for Duncan or for the United Pentecostal Church or for you guys, but it's all of the above, right? Uh, hope that you will come down here, and as is our tradition here, uh, we would like to have a few of us who would come and surround Randall and Joanne, and we want to pray a prayer of recommissioning for them as they go back and do the hard work of pastoring there in Duncan. We're glad that you're here, honored that you're here, and it's our privilege to pray with you. Now, who can come to the communion table? Well, here's the thing. If you recognize your need for grace, then you are welcome. And I, as your pastor, know that I need all kinds. I need a weekly helping of grace. So if you, like me, recognize your need for grace, it doesn't matter how you failed this morning, this week, this month. If you recognize your need for grace, you are welcome and will always be welcome each week at this table. That said, all are invited, but none are compelled. If you decide, uh, this is not for me, I don't like to take communion this often, sit this one out. It's okay, because it is an invitation to grace. And so it can't be, it can't be something that is forced upon you. So it's an invitation. All are invited. None are compelled. You might want to make a special trip down by this little bowl of water here. It's just meant to help you remember the moment of your baptism when you were included in the most official of ways in the movement of God, the people of God, the purposes, the heartbeat of God. If you need that casual reminder, then may this bowl of cool water be that reminder for you today. I need that too, lots of Sundays. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread he blessed it and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including today, remember, remember me. In the same way later, he took the cup and held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, including today, remember me. And do remember that today, by your participation, you are making that confession all over again of the reality of the Messiah and the Messiah's place in our lives. And you are today, by your confession, rebuilding this church. So now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish the people of God.